Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. So as Pastor mentioned, I am speaking on behalf of Calvary Tabernacle Singles tonight. Um, We do have two connection groups, which are led by my wife and I and um, Reverend John Armato. And I am here tonight speaking for us because of three reasons. One, we have a good pastor, lets us get in the driver's seat every now and then, as long as we pay for our own gas, I would assume. And... (laughs) The other would be my wife helped me, so that's always a positive. The ministry know that. And the other is Brother Armato is in Italy, so <laughs> that's kind of where we're at tonight. But, but I, I will say this, since my wife did help me, can you do me a favor? On a good point, can you just kind of raise your hand, kind of like an amen like that? And then on a bad point, maybe just cross your arms As you'll see a trend develop, just kind of look around and you'll start seeing like, oh yeah, that was her point, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I love you, Calvary, and I thank you. I really do. We are blessed to have full-time connection groups here. Most churches, they they have seasonal groups, but we have full-time connection groups. And so if you have not joined the Singles Connection Group, you can do that by requesting on the Church Center app, or you can just come see one of us. Uh, Singles Ministry is a UPCI-endorsed ministry. Its national director is Debbie Says, and the director for the state of Indiana is Reverend Daryl Cooper. It spans uh, everyone who is single, whether that's a divorcee, a single parent, widow, widower. If you are single, you do fit this group, and we would love for you to join us. So if you've not done that, please do so. So... In honor of this branch of the family tree, I'd like to speak to you from this title, Flying Solo, Flying Solo. It was in June of 1937 that a plane took off from Miami, Florida. That plane flew toward Central and South America, turning east for Africa. From there, the plane crossed the Indian Ocean and finally touched down in Ley, New Guinea, 22,000 of 29,000 miles being completed. As the pilot recuperated, several necessary adjustments were made to the plane. Extra amounts of fuel were stowed on board, were, were taken off, and parachutes were removed because the, the vast Pacific Ocean, it, it wouldn't matter if you parachuted into that. There was no refuge. And so the flyer's plan was to head to Howland Island, some 2,500 miles away, situated between Hawaii and Australia a flat sliver of land no more than 20 feet above the ocean waves. On July 2nd, 1937, the pilot headed east. Even though there was a well-thought-out plan, several early decisions led to grave consequences later on. Some of the equipment was left behind. The fuel, it was 50 gallons short of capacity. The sky that day of takeoff was unforgivingly cloudy. The maps used were not entirely accurate leading to this radio message between the plane, which was now at sea, in the island. We must be on you, but we cannot see you. 
fuel is running low. We cannot see you. We are flying at 1,000 feet. The island station replied, but there was no indication that it was heard. Amelia Earhart, that figure of history, disappeared, never to be found again. A task, a daunting task that was not overcome. She was indeed flying solo. Pastor Lopez, at the opening of this series during Family Focus Month, he preached on the relationship of the church to a, a newcomer to the church. And I would like to pivot on that and get specific with that. I would like to speak tonight between the relationship of the church to the single and the single's relationship to the church. The Old Testament has many, has many it's seemingly insignificant places where it'll just say something that it, it almost seems like random. It'll be like some random portion of the law, or it'll be uh, just something that unless you study it, it's like, why is that there? But he does that to show us his, his character and his judgment, his righteousness. And in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, there's such a verse as this. And it says, thou shalt not see the kid, which is a young goat and its mother's milk. And that was a law to the children of Israel because it was a, a pagan practice. It was a fertility practice. Long story short, God has always wanted to separate us from the world. Amen. Amen. But there's also another principle to that. And this is not original to me, so it's not a private interpretation, but it is this. It's that something that's supposed to give life, something that's a life source should never be used as an instrument of death. In 2005, David Capellian wrote a book. It was called The Marketing of Evil. He was a decade ahead of his time. In this book, he writes about this media author and critic, uh, Rushkoff, who states that um, regarding the MTV culture of the time and that, that beach MTV culture, he talks about something called a feedback loop. And this critic was there. He remembers being on the beach one day and there were these some sort of auditions taking place and he had a, a camera a film crew with him. And he remembers when 13 year old Barbara and her friends saw him, saw their cameras and they started dancing and, and performing for the camera. And that's when he had an epiphany and he, he thought to himself, this is it. It's a feedback loop. We sell to them and then they sell back to us what we have sold to them. Can I say it this way? The church must be very careful about what it models to singles. When pastor said that we are not here to promote certain personalities and that we are not here to make cookie cutter Christians, that was powerful. We need to hold on to that because we are a family. We are a church body and we do have a destiny that involves every single one of us. Speaking of the man of God, 2 Kings chapter 6, it, it speaks of the sons of the prophets. And let me just hasten this quickly. It's basically Bible college students who are under the training of Elisha. This has been preached twice recently. And um, the, these students, they, they basically outgrow their dorm size. And so they, they go to the man of God and they're like, hey, can we, can we go build another dorm? And he says, sure, go ahead. And so they're out there. They're, they're felling down trees and and one of the axe heads, uh, most of you will recognize the story, it goes into the water. And the, so the, the men, they run to 
the man of God, Elisha, and he comes and just like, hey, show me, and throws a stick in and it floats to that. And so there is a principle to that when speaking of the church and of the church leadership. We indeed do have a good pastor. And I felt in the Holy Ghost that there were, there were people that even in this very building may have experienced things, may have lost something. Their ax head might have fallen in the water. But if you just go to the man of God, if you just go to leadership, they are there for you. And their solution will be so simple sometimes, but it'll produce results. It's, it's God-oriented. It's backed by God. So if something's happened to you, if you just go to leadership, they are there for you. Can I get an amen, church? Thank you, Jesus. I remember when I was new to Calvary Tabernacle and I was single, uh, I came here as a broken young man. I was partially raised in church. I had received the Holy Ghost. I'd been baptized. I, I had a call in my life at the time, but I didn't know it. I was just kind of a, I, I love the old time preachers and convictions. That, that's really all I knew about myself at that point. But I remember I would, I would come into Calvary Tabernacle, this, this large church, this vast church, and uh, during that time, I remember as just a broken young man, I, I'd walk through the foyer, and I, I just, I, I didn't mean to, but mentally in my mind, I, I would count how many people would say hi to me. I, I would count how many people would speak to me. And so I, I just have to say this, we can't let the world give people better community. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the flip side. Not everything can be blamed on the church. Sometimes life happens. There's a lapse of judgment that can happen. Sometimes things get out of our control. I, I've tried for years to put this into words, but it, it's basically like this. The, the word of God, is, it is a two-edged sword. And so the church, it, it has boundaries. And when you get behind the hedge of the church's boundaries, that two-edged sword, it, it protects you. It, it keeps you. But if you go against it, sometimes even unknowingly, or you just knew, or you just it, it, you have, a, again, a lapse in judgment, it will cut you. But what protects you also defends. So as long as you stay behind the hedge, you stay behind those boundaries, the word of God, the boundaries of the church, they will help you. They will protect you. But here's the thing. Watch this. We have to bear fruit continually as a church, though, because when people mess up, when singles have some sort of life instance that happens, if we don't bear fruit as the church, what will happen is they'll come in here. They'll feel the love of Jesus. The Holy Ghost is moving. There's no way you can deny that people know that they love Jesus and that he he indeed loves them because they wouldn't feel that on their heart. But here's what happens if the church doesn't bear fruit. What they'll think is this. Jesus loves me but I have hard feelings toward the church. And it creates this place where people, they're drifting, they're flying solo. He's a good father. Yes, he is. Amen. He's a good father. But is the church being a good mother? We must be careful that we don't let people feel that they need to make emergency landings. And practically speaking, that's in terms of Jobs, rest decisions, church attendance, dating. I came across something in the book of Titus, and Titus shows us how the church should be set up. It's, it's instructions by Paul to Titus. He, he tells them to appoint pastors in every city, uh, some, the qualifications of those pastors, some, some admonitions. And as he gets into chapter two, though, Paul gives insight into church culture. 
And he says this, he says, speak sound doctrine, age men be sound in faith, patient, age women to be holy, to teach the younger women. Can I just pause here? And I, I say this in humility. As a, a younger minister, Calvary has done so much for me. I, I am so blessed by the mentorship, by the leadership of pastor. But as a young minister, that, that I, I can receive that. And it will, it's not only necessary, it's imperative for my future. But I, I, look, at, I look at some of the ladies in our group. I, I look at... Uh, Even at the ladies' gala, I was in the parking lot picking up my wife. <laughs> I happened to notice him, a young mother. <laughs> I felt drawn to her. Because <laughs> I could tell she was flying so well. I could just feel it from her. And so we do so much around here. But I, I would ask, and I ask this in such humility, that could you, could you adopt some of these, some of these singles? Could you adopt some of these mothers? One, uh, uh, when, uh, when my wife was single, uh, she was approached by brother and sister Lopez, and they asked her just a simple question: "What do you do for lunch on Sundays?" She mentally went through her mind of all her friends, her whole circle of friends, and she realized they all went to her, went to their parents' house on Sunday afternoons. And the Lopez's just simply said, well, you can come to our house. And so for a year and a half or so before we were married, they had chicken tacos every Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Uh, but back, back to Titus chapter 2, let me, let me continue this thought uh, quickly. Um, let's, let's just go down to verse 10 for time's sake. Verse 10 of Titus says this. It says, not to purloin. And that word there, purloin, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. That word purloining, I was drawn to it. I can't pronounce it, but I was drawn to it. (laughs) It means theft. But not only just theft, theft from a place of trust. He was talking even to servants because the Bible wasn't written in North American culture. But I found a principle in that, and it's that access does not equal ownership. As the church, we are admonished to be faithful servants. Amen. I see too many. We still have too many flying solo. So they're to be good wives. The, the elder teach the younger. There's, that's part of church culture. That's who we are. That's, that's what he's saying. Family is very important. I, th- I think we could agree at least that we are all products are in- of our environment, at least when growing up. But I, I found this just so interesting. When, when David and-, and Bathsheba re-entered their relationship, Solomon became a child of promise because he was birthed in a healthy environment. And healthy churches birth healthy babies. And we can birth people in right alignment as long as we stay healthy as a family. And so I've, I've talked about the church in relationship to singles, but 
Now let me speak on singles relationship to the church. This is a safe place for you singles. Too often the decisions you have to make are seemingly lose-lose decisions. It's usually what's best for my kid, what's best for my job, what's best for others. But this is a safe place. This is a good family. You have a lineage worth fighting for. Psalm 68 and 6, God setteth the solitary in the, in the families. He's, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a good judge of the widows. So if you ensure your commitment to the church, the church will indeed provide for you because it's a two-way street. And so whether a singleness, a season of singleness or, or a gift like Paul had, the appropriate response to your singleness is to join the church ministry and serve it. Your commitment will be validated by the results of church ministry. And so Satan, he does attack the family and we cannot be ignorant of that. What the mind thinks, what you think will affect how you join the body. And so do not think this is not a safe place. And it's not about getting along with every personality. It's, it's not about uh, getting a cookie cutter Christian, as pastor would say. But it, it does, it, it's a spiritual work that happens here. And I, I'm all for teamwork and camaraderie, camaraderie, but this is spiritual. This is a house built up and inhabited by a spirit. So it's okay to fight. It's okay to fight for promises to get victory. And that will teach you, especially if you've been coming here. And I know Brother Brzezinski is going to talk about being planted and transplanted. But if you've come here recently as a new person and you feel like you're in a season of fighting, stay in that. You will bear fruit in this church, in this soil, and in this family. God knows what's best for you. So just like the children of Israel, they had to be taught that what God had for them was best. This is a safe place, not where you came from. This is family. This is home. Amen. Amen. Remember Abigail? She was in a situation that was out of her control. She was in a, she was in a bad marriage, and she was powerless, especially in that culture. But with what she had, she behaved wisely into the in front of a king, and she was called into the kingdom because of it. Let me close with this last portion because I know I would have missed some of you singles if I didn't mention this. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 30, it says this, and it says, and David went up by ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up, and he had his head covered, and he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. David's child had hurt him, his own son, Absalom. He was not perfect by any means, but he was righteous, and he was in mourning. People would sometimes try to make David feel guilty for, for mourning over Saul's and Absalom's in his life. Yet David understood that his own flesh and blood being brought to justice doesn't quench that type of pain. He chose the route of humility. And so here's, here's, the, here's the application to that. Luke chapter 19, verse 29 through uh, about 42 and 43 verse, it says uh, Jesus, he, he lives this out at that same mountain. He descends from the Mount Olivet and he sends the two disciples. They, they get a colt. He makes the triumphant entry into the city. They cast their garments. They spread their clothes in the wave and blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. If they did not worship him, the very stones would cry out. 
But as he draws closer to the city, he beholds it and he begins to weep, saying, if thou had known, if you had known the peace that belongs to you. As a parent myself, there are times when I'll, I'll walk into a, a crowded place or, or a crowded situation and all of a sudden I'll feel this certain panic and it's where are my children? Where are my children? Where are my children? I need to know where my children are. And so I know that as an entire church gets to worshiping, it's okay for you to look around, to weep, to want to know where your children are, wanting to know if they're going to make it. He understands the pulling away from worship into a burden. You're not a broken record to your friends and your family. You're a broken heart, but the Lord can heal that. He can heal that tonight, or he can heal that on the other side where that tree that tree's leaves will be healing for the nations. And so I, I, I quickly close with this. Some of the CT singles, you're going through life without their parents or, or their children or their extended family. Some of their parents have had, had passed. Some are not saved. But we are a family. This is a home that they belong to. This is a home where loneliness can be filled and I'm asking the church to be the family of God, to be a desired home, a place of refuge. I'm asking for singles, be at church, be at prayer. Some of you, your schedules are flexible, some chaotic and full, but be a vessel for God to use during this season. I know it can be overwhelming. I know it's not always chosen, but God has called you. He has not forgotten you. Plug into your connection groups. Reach for others who are hurting. This is our home. This is your home. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.